0: And amen. I think Scott was turning up my mic, and he thought it was hers, maybe. So here I am. Are you ready? Okay. In Christ, we have total forgiveness and a, a very exciting future. That in Jesus, in relationship with Him, you have total forgiveness. Everything of sin is dealt with, and you have a very exciting future with Him. Yes, that's an appropriate. Interaction, way to go. Ewan can learn from Uncle Phil. So the men had, uh, had (laughs) he's bailed out. Unrelated, unrelated, whatever. Where are we going? Okay, the men had gathered early on Wednesday morning. We had talked about the weather, about the health or lack thereof it in the church. We talked a little bit about politics, right? Derry and I like to argue a little bit um, about our future king. And then after all the pleasantries and catching up on life and talking about the sun and surf in Mexico, we turn to the text. And these were the words that we read. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now in the Sermon on the Mount, this great sermon from Jesus, kind of like his stump speech that he preached everywhere. It gives this picture of life in the kingdom, of what life with him Looks like, and it begins there in that statement in want, in need, and in poverty of spirit, as is written. And so then, the guys, we spent uh, an hour with just that verse, thinking of what that t- entails for us, who it's actually for, how we are those who have the kingdom of heaven, and what it means for us to be poor in spirit. I think other translations help us get to the point of the text in the preaching. The NLT says God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And then Eugene Peterson, in his translation of scripture, says you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. And oh, to have that as the banner over our lives that there's less of us and more of him and his rule and it recognizes though, this idea of poverty of spirit this longing for something different than what you're actually experiencing for some of you have just spent the last week in, in in different levels of sickness i imagine there was a moment where you were longing for something different to not be sick in that moment, right? But we have that in the rest of our lives, right? To have an end of sin in our lives, to have an end of sickness, of division, of death in our existence. And there's poverty of spirit. And we think of it, this is just us in life. We can look around the totality and be acquainted with life in our world, and we can sense that there is. They were meant for something better than this. And they were the desperate for the one who can actually make it better. And that's where we're supposed to be in reliance on this king who has come. And I think Ephesians reveals for us what is actually provided for the poor in spirit who turn to Jesus in belief and trust for all of life. And this is a, book that begins with worship. And I know we've been working through a few texts, a few scriptures at a time, but I just want to read all of verses 3 through 14 for us to put us in the right mindset of a doxology, of a worshipful response to the grace of Christ. So just In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. It's jam-packed with good news, with the enrichment of life in Christ, of the life that we are to have in his kingdom. And all of this is ours in Jesus it's a description in these verses of our union with him in faith one writer says union with Christ is not a single specific blessing we receive in our salvation rather it is the best phrase to describe all the blessings of salvation So we have unconditional election in Christ, adoption in Christ, redemption and forgiveness in Christ, and the fulfillment of God's plan in Christ until the final uniting of all things in Christ. So our entire blessedness, our victory, our happiness, our hope is bound up in our being bound to Christ. Our three verses for today solve, I believe, the ache that we have for something Better for resolution to the troubles of our souls and the troubles of the world. So, as we work through three of these verses, I just want to hit on what we get when we're in Christ, how we get it, and where it's all headed. The truth is that in Christ we have total forgiveness and an exciting future. So, what do we get? Total forgiveness. Right? When we come to Jesus and believe in him, that he lived, died, and was resurrected for us, we gain, in that moment, total forgiveness of all of life that came before and that will come ahead of us as we sin and reject the way of God. But in December, I spoke to Club Hope at Del Dios. Any members of Club Hope in here? Right? You should know that I am not gifted for middle school ministry. That is not my bag. Right? And uh, talk about having a lively audience. None of them said amen, but they talked through the whole time. Right? But after my talk to the the first group, the second group was a little, you know, a little more eighth grade-ish. Right? So the first group, though, there was a seventh grader that had a slew of just wonderful questions, that clearly seeking, wanting to know the truth. And among her questions was, why do we need to be forgiven? Right, because I'm preaching the truth of Christ, that they can have forgiveness in him when they believe in him, that all this, all of your life can be forgiven and you can live in the grace of Jesus. Right? And so it's a, a poignant question that even though we may think of um, ourselves or when we hear others say that they don't need to be forgiven. The truth is that humanity was not actually meant for strife, for evil, for violence, for selfishness. All the things that corrupt our world, right? Do we, do we agree on that? We're not meant for that. We're not meant for it to be this way. Instead, creation actually established humanity in a garden, this place of peace and work and communion with God. But our first parents, falling for deception, violated a command to abstain from the fruit of one tree. And since that moment, then all of humanity has been anchored in Disobedience before God, the condition that that essentially curses all of creation. We call it sin, missing the mark, open rebellion against what God says is right and good, a disregard even for our creator as if he does not exist, or an elevation of ourselves above him as if we are better. Then you take that sin and you put it next to the reality of God's holiness that he is so other, he's completely unique, he's perfect. And the truth is that sin can't relate to him. It can't be in relationship. And in that moment, then Adam and Eve are sent out of the garden because of sin. So they can no longer have communion with God because of the choice they made. The psalmist in Psalm 5 describes it this way For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. And each of us, we have to understand, has owned this reality of sinfulness, even if we think we are generally good. Right? I've never done one of the big sins, right? I've never cheated on anybody. I've never murdered anyone. I've never voted Democratic. All right? <laughs> But even when we think we're generally good, the truth is we're not sinless, right? And each of us, you have sinned today. Right. That's appropriate. <laughs> and in light of this reality, this breathtaking reality, God chooses a people to display what life with him actually looks like. The gives provision, he gives them place. But the truth is the regular sacrifice of blood to handle the sin of the people only actually points forward to the need for an atoning sacrifice, that which would make amends or a reparation for what has gone wrong that would permanently solve the problem of sin. That would once and for all take care of it so that the restoration can come and you can return back to the garden in him in jesus we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses forgiveness it's what we need to relate to god to be free from the slavery of sin and self you think how a middle schooler might receive it we might find it a little bit gross right after all it is through his what through his blood But blood has been used to highlight the significance of sin and relationship with God since God first kills an animal to cover Adam and Eve in their shame in the garden. But finally, there is blood that has come that is sufficient to handle all of it. The writer of Hebrews would tell us it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those that are being sanctified. That's that's you in Christ. You have been perfected for all time So his blood handles all sin forgiveness is not partial in christ it is total it is complete not my sin in part but oh the whole of it but yeah i got a tattoo it is finished all that stuff kent hughes great old pastor says total forgiveness is something to celebrate Right, it's beyond anything positive thinking therapy or hypnosis can provide. It is complete, extending to the conscious and unconscious sins in our lives, because God knows all things, and because Jesus's blood is infinite. It is that powerful, and it's actually what was promised all along, even from the garden, even. Given an image of what was to come in Christ, the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 44 would say, I have blotted out your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like mist. Return to me for I have redeemed you. This is the invitation to Israel. It's now extended to us in Christ. Prophet Micah said, who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever, but he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. John Calvin preaching on that text in Geneva in 15 58 said god puts our sins out of his remembrance and drowns them in the depths of the sea and moreover receives the payment that was offered him in person of his only son all of your sin gone forgotten another writer thinks psalm 103 verse 12 gives the perfect commentary to what paul has declared in ephesians 1 As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. So where does the east begin and where does the west end? We don't know, right? When our sins are so far removed from us, they're sent away so far from us by God himself that they are removed from us forever. And the psalmist in Psalm 103 properly names the east and the west, not the north or the south, lest you would think of the poles and have an actual distance you could go between them, right? The psalmist indicates a distance that no man can measure. As far as the east is from the west, this is the great distance that God in forgiveness has sent away and removed all of your transgressions from us in the instant that we are brought to faith in him. Another vile accuser loves to remind you of things that you have done and are yet to do, but Jesus covers them by his blood and the Father remembers them no more. In him, you have freedom. You're no longer bound by sin. You have total, complete forgiveness. It is all dealt with. You are good and can stand now blameless before his throne. You're no longer burdened by performance. To live up because he's achieved it for you. That's what you get in Christ. And it's good. So how do we get it? Well, by his blood, right? We come to him who gives us favor that we could never deserve. In our text, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight we get this by his grace and this is what makes total forgiveness so sweet for us right it's not earned by us or even maintained by our by our will but it is sourced solely in Jesus by the grace of the father the one who loves steadfast love his own steadfast love for us and it's not just a little bit of grace either right You guys like Nutella toast? I must have been hungry when I was writing this sermon. I like, you like Nutella toast. She gets that from her father. Now, if somebody gives you Nutella toast, and they've described it in such a way, but they've just given you a little scrape of Nutella. No, that's just toast. With just a tease, right? You barely get any of the sweet taste, right? But if you're a Schrader, and you put that Nutella on thick, so that it overwhelms you with that sweetness and goodness, right? And mistakes he's like, ah, right. This is grace, baby. It's good. It's not our pre-diabetic sugar stance, right? This is God's grace towards us, though. It's a thick coating of sweet goodness, sweet overwhelming, and worth worshiping Him for, right? grace lavished upon us forgiveness according according to the riches of his grace it's inexhaustible he keeps us it meets us each day and it is never drawn down like you can't like ruin his grace for you it's so good one commentator talks about john d rockefeller how he was once the richest man in the world he had been the richest man that America had ever produced and there's been a couple more since him that have outpaced him but if Rockefeller wished to give his riches there were two ways that he could do it right according to his riches or from his riches and it, what is interesting about Rockefeller like history records that he most often gave out of the latter giving from his his riches. And the most uh, like famous picture of John D. Rockefeller shows him as this wizened old man dressed in a top hat and a cutaway coat, and he's giving a dime to some little hungry boy, right? And reportedly, Rockefeller did this all the time, again and again. He was handing out dimes to all these homeless little boys to dutifully be photographed by those that would follow him around, because that's the image he wanted to portray, that he was so benevolent and generous, what right? And You can look back at history and you can wonder how many boys were truly set on the road to wealth and moral excellence by that wonderful gift from Rockefeller's fortune. You know, just a dime. But now think of it, if, what it would have been like if he had given according to his riches. If he'd done that... He would have perhaps given you a grand estate. He would maybe have given you a Rodin to put in your driveway for all your neighbors to see. There would be endless numbers of great homes and wonderful art and statues from all of history. There would be abundance, right? Think of Mr. Beast. You guys, you retweet anything Mr. Beast puts out there, right? You might win 25 grand, right? He's this YouTuber that is exceedingly wealthy and just gives all this money away for fun, right? Because that makes him more money. And this last week, he was trying to give away $25,000. You know, 10 people that retweet this, I'll give $25,000. And he actually does it, right? It's pretty amazing. But that's just Mr. Beast, Beast giving from his riches. If he was giving according to his riches, it would be $100 million. Vastly different right and some of us act like god gives to us from his riches it's just a dime of grace to get us by but the truth is that god gives to us according to the riches of his grace it's more than enough it's exactly what you need it's overwhelming it's sweet it's good it's unending and this grace is the power of Christ in us. Even the author of this story and letter to Ephesians wrote to the Corinthian church talking about his own struggle with sin in his life. And he pleads, he says, three times with the Lord about this, that it should leave me, right? His thorn in the flesh that Paul had. But God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. The power that is sufficient enough for him in the grace of Christ for him, where our longing, our need for redemption is actually met, is in this grace. This unmerited favor. There's nothing you did, nothing in your history, in your ancestry, that says, oh, you're going to get in on this it is all because of the steadfast love that god has for you that he gives out of according to the riches of his grace so great are the riches of god's grace in christ that god makes us abound in all wisdom and must add all intelligence so that we may apply all of it in the varying situations of our lives that's what we go on doing Is we're sanctified, as we become more like Jesus. It's just applying his grace over and over again to our lives. And the truth is life will change. You will gain new skills in Christ. You will become different. But all of it is by the grace of God. And that is really good news it's free it's for those that turn from their own way of living and thinking and embrace christ in his way and his grace the mystery made known to us so total forgiveness is the foretaste of his kingdom and grace is the fuel for it then where is it all headed See so in you know, verses 9 and 10 making known to us the mystery of his will according To his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. That sense of wanting something better, it is all aimed in us toward this renewal that is promised, that is coming for the fullness of time. And the fullness of time is closer at this moment than it ever has been before. One writer says, the redeemed see the new order is coming. It was a mystery, a secret in times past, not because it was incomprehensible, but because it was undiscoverable by human reason. It could only be made known through divine revelation. And what is the mystery? Simply this, that in the fullness of time, in other words, at the appropriate time, God will unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth reconciliation in jesus god to man human to human all of creation as we were created to be and now because that hope is coming we live to proclaim it and invite others into the kingdom that will see it just like paul did same letter to the corinthian church he says Therefore, we now are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. So we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What glorious grace, what goodness, and now what purpose we've been invited into. And so we live to see the renewal of redemption reach all those who are poor in spirit. All those who recognize they're meant for something better. That they just can't deal with the situation they have at this moment. That there is trouble within them and apart from them that needs to be healed. So we labor to see the remaking of our world in Christ bringing shalom now by serving the least as we anticipate that day that is still to come in the fullness of time. The fullness of time, which is a return to the garden. I picked a terrible day to wear all black. I should have wore one of those beautiful floral prints that some people know me for, right? Mostly my children. Why do you wear black, Dad? I'm always changing my words. Because I always am longing for something better. This is the vision the Apostle John gives us. Then I saw a new heaven and new earth from the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, all of our sin and cast it into the sea of his forgetfulness. And you will notice that the sea was no more. In Christ, we have total forgiveness and an extremely exciting future. Live, friends, under the banner of this total forgiveness. Come to Christ. Surrender your life to him know that his grace is sufficient for even you it's all we need and then tell somebody about it be an ambassador of reconciliation telling of the kingdom of heaven at every opportunity of christ uniting all things in him for his glory and for our good god blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Our need met, redemption given, grace lavished upon us. Rejoice, it is ours in Christ. Would you pray with me? Good and holy God, we thank you for your grace. That you have lavished upon us in Christ. Making known to us the mystery of your will. According to your purpose which you set forth in Christ. As a plan for the fullness of time. To unite all things in him. Things in heaven and things on earth. Lord it's from this truth that we have the foundation to live. The redemption by his blood that shapes how we can approach you and have power for life. Lord, in the days ahead, help us to see how your grace is sufficient for us, for all that we need. And give us glimpses of your peace and the future that you have promised, what life will be like when you unite, when you reconcile all things in yourself help us be good ambassadors of you that others would know of you in your kingdom through us for your glory and our good in jesus name amen